a major men folks treat us women like you do. A major men folks treat us women like you do. I don't want no man that I got to give my money to. Owe me a letter, never nothing but a no. Owe me a letter, never nothing but a no. Go right back and told him, man, I ain't no Billy if you could imagine in the 1920s when she was rising to fame, the topic that she was singing about folks was like, it's raunchy, it's too much. And her life is so rich and so full. And I genuinely didn't know anything about her, except that I always saw her photos kind of coming across my Google images when I was like doing research about other Black women. And she was always in this tuxedo with this top hat. And I was like, who is this Black woman? And then I saw a caption under her photo once that said she was once the richest black woman in America. And then I was like, oh, that we got to do her for black history book camp. And then once I started uncovering her story, I'm like, I'm so grateful we are doing her for black history book camp because we need to make space for these type of stories. And there's so much to learn from it. That was Gladys Bentley, the famous blues singer, pianist, entertainer during the Harlem Renaissance. She was a big black woman. She was lesbian. She was a cross-dresser. She was talented as all get out Morgan so that that was in demand people were like go sing that for me listen Vanessa all you need to know is I'm in the middle of a media play of Frogger across the freeway just hold on one second I heard everything you said (laughs) give me one second about the pretty 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 across this here we go here we go here we go y'all we got a track code and the track code says Lord are we walking against or with the traffic Morgan but you ain't supposed to be leapfrogging you ain't supposed to be leapfrogging in the traffic that's not the girl check track code for safe I gotta get over to the nice neighborhood so my phone covers don't break in my neighborhood I'm good now. I'm safe. My sister be well, while you're, while you're getting, she'd be like, say you what? Okay? Like when I dropped the <laughs> last time, she was like, you, you okay? Oh, I know. That I'm was kind of scary, though. That was kind of yeah, one of those yeah. live moments where I was like, I'm going to put down the phone and rush across the ocean and save my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. It was just poverty and bad telephone lines. All right. So it that's was just great. poverty is an answer for a lot of things, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, no, I mean, like, poverty. if you're going to talk about diversity, you got to also accept that my internet ain't going to always work in this neighborhood. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't talk Look. about you want to incorporate diversity and you're not going to be understanding what my stuff cut down. That's what I'm saying. No, like, <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm out of shape. You hear me breathing? I hope y'all out there are yes. walking. Yes. This is a walking podcast. I hope you're out in them streets. You don't even have to walk fast. You don't have to walk far. But just get out there because I think the stories sink in a different way when we're all moving forward on one accord. So I don't know anything about Gladys Bentley. I can't wait to hear. Let's go. 
Well, it's a perfect woman to talk about on Friday, y'all. After you walk, I'm going to need everybody to just shake it all loose. It's been a long week. We have arrived. We have made it. If you have done every single day of boot camp, if you're on day five live, literally, congratulations. Celebrate. If you can't wait to episode six, remember that we take a break over the weekend. The break is a perfect opportunity for people to catch up on the episodes that they missed. It's a perfect opportunity for you to tag a few people and be like, y'all need to come out live on Monday because the live walk and talk is where it's at. So we're going to take the weekend to rest, to restore, to catch up on these stories. And then we're going to come back on Monday. If you missed anything, definitely catch up. Morgan. Let's yep. get into Gladys Bentley. There's a lot to talk I, all about. All you need to know Friday. is if I go to the club, I'm going to wear my black Please. satin pants in honor of Miss Gladys Bentley. That's what's about to happen. I was thinking about this, actually, about her pronouns. It's retroactive, and I know that all the historic documents call her her, but it's just interesting in this context to be respectful that we have to use antiquated language that she called herself, even. You understand what I mean? So it's interesting. I understand it. And it's interesting. But we're going to get to that in a minute. So the story is just, it's even more complex than you could imagine. Gladys Bentley is from North Philly, y'all. Euclid Street. I was like, one of our (laughs) truckers out there is going to need to walk by her house and pay homage. She is a North Philly girl. Shout out to Irisha. Shout out to Susie, Irisha, Lee Scott. Yes, a bunch of people out there. Everybody, everybody. (laughs) So she was born in North Philly in 1907. Her mother was from Trinidad and her father was from America. She was the oldest of four children. And in her own words, Morgan, she was neither wanted nor loved because her mother had wanted a boy and was so bitterly disappointed in getting a girl. Gladys says that she always felt unwanted and rejected because her mother was desperately rejecting her. And she said that when they told her mother that she had given birth to a girl, her mother at first actually refused to even touch her as an infant. And I was like, there's all the research now about skin-to-skin contact, right? And the things that we get from our mothers. So just imagine that her mother didn't want to touch her as an infant. And then her mother- But also all the research about postpartum depression too, and any issue you have, I can imagine with your own self-worth is even compounded when you have a child who's the same gender, even just showing some compassion for mom. We had a vagina monologues of sorts, which was like a truth telling session and something we used to do called wellness revivals. We went to 20 cities or so and women from those cities told their stories. And one of the most compelling, I think it was in Houston, was a woman who was talking about how she could not source affection for her child and how painful it was and how guilty she felt. There's something about her honesty that was really, really eye opening for me. I just remember her story and the stories of any mothers who are just struggling, <laughs> struggling to yeah. show up as their best selves. Yeah. And actually, anytime we mention women in our community who might be struggling now, it's a perfect time to remind women that we have a support network of peers out there ready to pick up the phone and talk to you as part of Girl Trek and the way we care for Black women across the country. It's 855-GIRL-TREK without the I because there's no I on team. If you are a mom and you're in that position and you just need a listening ear, we're going to talk to you. Her mother, Morgan, not only refused to touch her, but she wouldn't nurse her. So she actually, as an infant, was raised by her grandmother for the first six months until her mother was able to actually take her on. And then so she went back to live with her mom when she was six months old. But she was defying gender normative behaviors and kind of traditional feminine behaviors, even from an early age. She was large in size. She preferred to wear her brother's suits instead of dresses or blouse. 
as a result of her lack of gender conformity, she was teased relentlessly by classmates, ostracized by her community and neighborhood. Her mom actually ended up taking her around to doctor after doctor after doctor to try to quote unquote fix her from displaying these masculine behaviors and displaying affection towards girls in the way that she was. One of the doctors they took her to said that she had extreme social maladjustment. It was a psychiatrist and they were trying to give her these treatments. And she just was like, this is not my life. And so at 16 years old, she actually ran away from Philadelphia and ran away from her family. And she settled in Harlem. And if you could imagine, Morgan, and you know a lot about Harlem in the 1920s, we're talking about the height of prohibition. This is where white, black, homosexuals, heterosexuals, everybody was flooding to Harlem for this joyous rebellion against what was happening, right? Some people called it the decade of the new Negro when black people were coming there some from people, all over the country. <laughs> some people called it the Niggerati. Some people Thornton called, it, called the it the Niggerati. Yeah, she's hilarious. Yes. But- yeah, yeah, it was actually yeah. because it was unprecedented. Art, music, political debate, everything was happening in Harlem at this time. And here is Gladys arriving and she needed work. And she Can I say one city. thing? Can I say one thing Please. about did you see Zaya Wade? Is it Zaya or Zaya? Zaya I, Wade. Zaya, um, who I love. Yes. yes. Did you see her today? I just wanted to comment on her Instagram, but then you know they blocked the comments. I totally get why they blocked the comments because people are cruel. But I just wanted to shout her out, give her three blue hearts. Every time, but her Instagram doesn't allow for comments. So Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union have a child named Zaya Wade. And Zaya, please, LBGTQ community, just forgive me if I say something wrong. Please give me grace. I really am trying. But Zaya was born male, but I think her pronouns are she, her. God, I'm just ignorant. But I think that you don't even know your own pronouns, right? No, I don't even know my own pronouns. But that's privilege, right? No, that's privilege. I don't know the plural. I don't hardly know no plurals in general in life. But that's the privilege is that I don't have to say it every time. And it really is a privilege. Anyway, Zaya is fantastic. And you can imagine what I'm thinking about when you're describing Gladys is the alternative when your mother and your father support you and love you and just give you everything you need. It's Zaya. And Zaya was on Instagram today with Michelle Obama talking about Michelle's new Becoming book, The Youth Edition. And she was so shook. Michelle Obama was like, well, I really follow everything you do. I really love you. Like, what questions do you have? She was like, I don't got no questions. (laughs) It was so good. I encourage you guys to watch it. But the alternative of great parenting is so evident. It's so evident. Yes. And the opportunity to learn from these stories in real time for parents who might be yes. struggling right now. So let's yes. learn from Gladys' yes. story. So she yes. got to Harlem, Morgan, and she needed work. And there was a famous speakeasy called Harry's Hansberry's Clam House. And it was a famous gay speakeasy. But they were looking for a male pianist. Well, Gladys was a bomb pianist. And so she actually dressed up in men's attire, full dress shirt, stiff collar, bow tie, Oxford, and she cut her hair short and then slipped it straight back and showed up for the audition. And they were like, you are hired. She perfected her act at the speakeasy and she became so popular and so successful. She was earning $35 per week as a performer there, which was at the time in the 20s was a ton of money. But her act became so successful that she ended up earning $125 per week which was literally an unheard of salary for anyone in that time, but especially for a black woman. She moved herself into a penthouse Morgan on Park Avenue. Why are you trying to front like that? Ain't a lot of money right now. <laughs> right. Two right to the game. A week, too. So she was getting yeah. this a week. Just imagine. Yeah. So she actually moved herself into a penthouse on Park Avenue. She got a Come driver. On. She got a maid. She started touring the country. 
celebrities loved her. And I love this part of the story because to think that she ran away from home at 16 years old from North Philly, where she was being ostracized, and that she started earning this money on the strength of her talent, and then said, yes. I deserve this, and moved herself into a penthouse on Park Avenue. And then everywhere she would tour across the country, she was just beloved. Some people said it was raunchy, but some people said it was creative. It was a cabaret act. It was really beautiful. One of the things that I loved about what she said is that she was like, well, traditional blues singers had to follow this trope, this down on the love, mistreated woman by men. And she was like, that's all they're singing about in these blues clubs. And she was like, I don't want to be no down on my luck woman having to sing about a man. So she wanted to bring a different type of entertainment. So she donned masculine outfits and haircuts, but she also openly flirted with women in the audience. She performed sexually charged songs and she took popular songs of the day and then even rewrote those songs so that they would be more saucy. She was considered to be one of the first drag kings. It was kind of an impersonation that she was doing. However, she never tried to pass for a man. She was a performer and she was open about her sexuality and she was in the truest sense of the word fluid. She was fluid in the way that she was expressing herself, which I found to be even now a lesson for all of us that we don't have to live in the black and white, that we don't have to live in the black and white. I love learning that about her. Her performances, Morgan, were so risque, though, that, of course, some audiences, which is not unlike today, were saying, oh, we didn't want her to perform here or they would complain. But you know what? The dollars always speak. And wherever she went, stuff would be sold out. And so people kept booking her and they kept asking her to play. She mostly played blues and she played Say something about that of, right there, Vanessa, yes. what you mm-hmm. just said. It reminds me so much of Josephine Baker's story where, you know, yeah. everybody want to talk. Everybody got something on their lips about how lewd. I mean, even someone, when I posted that video of that girl dancing so good, and I was like, she is just channeling Josephine Baker on our Instagram, there were some comments like respectability kind of comments like, well, Josephine Baker didn't do it like this or like this is maybe a little bit too over the top. There's a lot of that. And I'm just saying everybody twisting their lips to talk about Josephine Baker, to talk about Gladys Bentley. They twist in their lips. But I'm going to tell you where the money comes from. The money comes from observing freedom, observing liberation, observing bravery in close proximity. Because say what you want about your moral code. And I encourage people to have a moral code. But part of your moral code has to be not being a hypocrite. And what are you doing when nobody's watching you? You watching them videos. That's what I'm saying. You trying to figure out how can I get liberated like this? That's all I'm saying. So people just better go somewhere. into telling the truth in 2021. Just to prove your point, y'all, in between Zoom calls, which I feel like I have every day, every 30 minutes, I be practicing my little moves. I put some on Instagram today. Now, in a moment of vulnerability, I could barely get down there, barely rock it. But I was like, in my own freedom, and actually inspired by both Aretha Franklin and the Josephine Baker episodes, I was like, this is how I feel. And then as I was doing the Meg Thee Stallion song for Gladys's playlist today, I was like, I want to move. So I know you are right. I know that all of the women on this call pass by a mirror, look at yourself and want to drop it. So Morgan and I are telling you to go ahead, <laughs> drop it. Drop it in the name of Gladys and Meg and Josephine and don't worry about nobody saying nothing. And record it if you want to. And put it on Instagram if you want to. Even if people are going to be like, she didn't do it. Don't do whatever you want to do. I talked to Janine. Shout out to Janine. Shout out to our all-star faculty who teach healing all around yeah. the world with Girl Check. We love y'all so much. Janine texted me today on WhatsApp. She sent me some pictures where she was at Josephine Baker's castle. And she was like, Morgan, yeah. I was here. And she said, I was standing on the porch. And I said, you know who else was on the porch? Josephine Baker. When they evicted 
her from her castle because the world is cruel. <laughs> and I sent her that picture and she was like, I know. She was like, I didn't even go inside because the state owns her castle right now and I ain't trying to pay. You know how Janine is. She said, so I just did yes. a liberation dance on the yard. I love these little girl checkers. So yes, drop it like it's hot. Or if you like me and you yeah. feel like squeak on the color purple where you want to sing, you sing. Y'all just get out there and do the truth. Let it come out. Get out of your own way. Be your truest, freest self this year. Do it this year, y'all. Yes. All right, come on. Let's hear yes. some. I'm inspired by these this I am too. So as you can imagine how taboo this was, in 1931, at the height of her career, she actually married a white woman during a civil ceremony in New Jersey, Morgan. I just want to let you know, when we're talking about women who are bold <laughs> enough to lead the way, that Gladys Bentley married a white woman in 1931 in New Jersey. In 1933, though, this is a serious lesson for all of us. Gladys Bentley actually found herself in the middle of a Supreme Court battle with what? Harry Hansberry, who owned that speakeasy where she got her start and where she became so popular. Because keep in mind, she was so popular that the speakeasy was making tons of money. And she actually wow. decided to leave the speakeasy because her talent was too big for them and she wanted to take her musical act to Broadway. And Harry Hansberry, and he had a partner at the time, sued her. And they insisted that the club built her. What, what? What did Jesse say? They built another one. What? Make another they hole. The, Make another hole. Make another hole. They yes. said the club made her popular and that they Come owned on. her and that they had some sort of five-year contract <laughs> on her and that they even owned all the songs that she had come up with while working there. They said she left them high and dry when she decided to leave the club. So she was actually in a suit with them in the Supreme Court. They didn't end up winning. And there ended up being a lot of other precedented cases. That's how much control that these white men, and this is what I'm to say, they were gay white men, because sometimes in the margins, we be oppressing each other. These gay white men were telling Gladys Bentley that we own you, we own your act, we made you. Well, they didn't, y'all, so don't worry. She went ahead and left, and she continued to perform. She headlined at the Apollo. She headlined at the Cotton Club. She headlined at this club called the Ubanji Club, Morgan, and she ended up staying there, and it was a really popular club at the time in Harlem, and she ended up performing there until 1937. 1937 actually marked the decline, the repeal of prohibition, which then marked the decline of Harlem speakeasies because the yeah. world was really changing. But Gladys was like, that's fine. I'm going to take my talents west. She packed up and went to L.A., to Southern California at the end of the 1930s. And in Southern California, she was billed as America's greatest Sepia piano player and the brown bomber of sophisticated songs. And she continued to... <laughs> right. So wait, say the name again. And she, say the name again. America's greatest Sepia piano player and the brown bomber of sophisticated songs. Come on, come on. So, come on. So she's performing in Southern Sepia, California. Sepia makes everybody sophisticated. That's what you first of all need to know. It does. It's so good. It does. It's so good. But Morgan, by the time we arrive at the 1950s and she's performing and she's successful, we enter into the McCarthy era and we enter into what becomes an intensified... Dun, dun, dun. Fears over people's sexuality, over if they're communists, over all sorts of things. And she began to get harassed around wearing men's clothes in her performance and really harassed around her open sexuality. Wait, I but how are the two connected? 
I understand that McCarthyism was just a wave of, of white fear, really, right. of losing control. I'm not unlike where we are now, but I just don't even understand. And never mind, never mind, never mind. I understand. They they weren't yeah, exactly. They weren't connected, except that exactly in the world we're living in right now, people project and grow their fears onto other people in every way. Yes. And so yes. Senator McCarthy. That's why people don't want to wear their masks. All right, let's go. I got you. Under this era, keep in mind, they were jailing people. They were stripping people of their wealth. They were physically intimidating people. I want to lay this out so that you know that in 1952, in an article titled, I Am a Woman Again, which was published in Ebony Magazine, Gladys actually came out saying that she sought hormonal treatment to enable her to love men the way she used to love them. The article was illustrated by photographs of her preparing the bed and dinner for her husband what? and being a 1950s housewife. And the caption said, Miss Bentley enjoys the domestic role, which she shunned for years. <laughs> and in that article, Gladys claimed that she was asking for... Magazine look, got to do a retraction for Josephine Ebony. Ebony got to do a retraction for that. Ebony got to do a retraction but, for that. But the trick of it is, is she was the one saying it. Yes. I want to say that to say, even right now today, have friends and family members who do not feel safe, even around all of us who think we're the most liberal folks in the world. Yeah, We got yeah. friends yeah. and family right now living in the shadows of their own lives, not just around their sexuality, but around all sorts of choices where they have come up against a wall so yeah. tough that they have decided to shift because we do it every day. Each one yeah. of us in small, tiny cuts diminishes our truth. Wearing a mask. Silences yeah. our voice. Wears a mask. Wears a yeah. mask. Becomes something we're not. And so I want to honor that we don't know what Gladys Bentley was experiencing at that time. A woman who in 1931 married a white woman in New Jersey by 1952 felt the need to come out and be in a domestic spread in Ebony Magazine where she's serving her husband saying that this is the role of women and that she's going to go ahead and take hormonal treatment that will enable her. This breaks my heart because she's telling you, I love women. I'm going to take this medicine then. And this medicine is going to make me love a different way. Meanwhile, God's love is supreme and sufficient, flows through all of us and comes out in the way that it's supposed to come out. And for us to question the way somebody loves, to me, is to question God himself because God is love. Yeah. The most beautiful things that Michelle Obama said today is, to not stop growing and trying to get closest to your true self. That was like her main message on that Instagram post because Zaya was like, well, what advice would you give to young people? Michelle Obama was like, open yourself up to what is possible for your life. And she was like, be around people who are different so you expand who you and what you can be. And then never stop calibrating against your truth. Because she was like, I'm almost 60, which blew my wig back because she looked so fine on that video. I was like, Michelle Obama's yeah. almost 60. She was like, because I'm almost 60 and I'm constantly trying to calibrate toward my truth. She didn't use those words, but she was like, I'm constantly trying to do that. And so that's even just a point of compassion here. I think that we're just on the frontier of hormonal understanding and science, much less therapy, but just science. And so many women that are in my age group, I'm 44, are just starting to experience changes in our hormones. I had my girlfriend tickled because I was like, I'm pretty sure that when I got on birth control at like 40, don't ask. <laughs> I got on birth control at like 40. <laughs> that it literally balanced we didn't, Don't worry, Morgan. Itself. We're ending today's episode with Back to the Streets. And that's so, no matter if you're 40 or 50, 
we out there. Live it safely and smartly. <laughs> but seriously, getting my hormones in check gave me an energy reserve to be able to go through with a divorce. I was yeah. so depleted yeah. energetically and hormonally and like so out of whack that I didn't even have the capacity to think about leaving. It wasn't even about my husband. It was like, I didn't have the capacity to think about recreating myself. I shared that hormonal story to say that, man, this stuff is hard. I appreciate this story. I really do. This stuff is hard. And I have a lot of compassion. Yeah. yeah. I feel that over this past year, since I've been newly divorced, I have just been like, man, I feel like I left parts of myself on the road somehow over the last 20 years. And the energy yeah. that picks those pieces back up and put them together yeah. and reconfigure them, it's been interesting and it's been hard and it's been challenging, but it's been very worthwhile. It's funny, even being here in South Florida, I've been thinking over the last week or so, and you will understand this precisely. It feels exactly like LA 1996. When I first yes. arrived there, me, I feel like that as a person. I feel like no, I'm you LA 1996, Vanessa. Yes. yes, that's how I feel. <laughs> and it feels energizing to me in this way. I've been wearing a bikini bra top for like three days in a row. I'm like, I'm Vanessa, I saw you. We had a very professional meeting today. And Vanessa had on a bikini top on the Zoom. And I didn't say nothing because you know what? Gladys Bentley. I was just like, come to me. bikini top on. But here, listen. Here's the thing. I was scared to get off the birth control because I was afraid that I would then change because I felt more like myself with that little pill of hormones. I felt more like myself, more stable, more happy, more joyful. My skin was clear. I felt more like myself and I was afraid to get off, but I did get off because I didn't want to be on birth control at 44. Sorry, it's not funny. But I didn't want to be on birth control, but I did get off, but I was afraid. So I had to start to like even figure out who I was, even in this vacillating world of hormonal changes and stay in there. I know this is not a show about hormones, but I just am really moved by that, that we can reconfigure no. even our very personality and taste and lust and all these sorts of things chemically. This is too much information, but whatever, this is Black History Bootcamp. It's even a podcast, marriage, We're trying to get 2 million downloads. Go ahead and tell it, girl. <laughs> no, okay. So we I need some, partly, it's Friday. We need some juicy stuff. <laughs> This is too much. But okay, so I was largely in a sexless marriage, which I actually think black people need to talk about a little bit more because sex is important. And there were a lot of reasons why, but I had suspicions years ago. I was like, I think this is a hormonal thing and not just on my part. I actually think that our hormones just are not attracted to each other in this way. My levels of estrogen, his levels of testosterone, it didn't match up. Yeah. And I think I was right. Sometimes we also have to know our biology and know our bodies and know what chemically we're attracted to, what pheromones turn us on and like acknowledge that part of ourselves because trust you me when you get it, you're going to be like, I was just telling somebody, yes. a friend of mine who's in a relationship and she's like, well, he got this going on. 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 She's like, but we ain't, we're not vibing on the bedroom level. And I'm like, it ain't going to work. You can grow in a lot of areas of life, but I don't feel like that's an area you can grow in. I feel like either you own it from the beginning and you want to be with this person. Like I want to jump your bones, ma'am, sir, or else. You don't. I love first of all, Mark, grow that this that. is not the advice you gave me when I was in my marriage. Let's just mark that. Because I you was like, your watch, friend. You was like, watch the movie. Watch the movie. What y'all doing? So, I don't know I'm sorry, Morgan. You had already made the leap. You had already made the leap. You was well into the marriage. So I was just trying to help you preserve. But you I was like, going on vacation. You got the lingerie? You know I mean, I was like, it's not happening. That's all I'm saying. 
I was so hard on myself thinking, is something wrong with me? Am I broken inside? Even with my own sexuality, like what is happening? And I was really hard on myself. Then I thought about my Kojic upbringing. I was like, I've been traumatized around sex. It was a lot. And so I'm saying I have a tremendous amount of compassion for people who are in the game. I have a lot of respect for people who are in the game. So when she went to New Jersey and married that white woman, she in the game. She in the game. When she married whoever she married in Ebony and was like, I'm a She married a a man. Yeah, she ended up marrying a man. But I want to asterisk there. She ended up marrying a man and she even became a minister for this Temple of Love Church in L.A. But then it was noted in several articles, she clearly continued to still have relationships with women. And that it's ended up that's itself, social pressure. Yeah, that, that social right. pressure be getting you, y'all. You yeah. be feeling like you got to contort you. yourself. Yeah, it's so deadly. It's, it's actually you. deadly. Yeah. It is deadly. Be free, then, y'all. Let's be free. I'm clapping on yes. the dirt In the name of Gladys Bentley, today, starting and this weekend, and go forth, we must be free. The sad part, and I love that we're telling her story, I will say this, because the stories we tell of our ancestors right now give new life and new energy to their struggles, which I think transforms them, how we can even transform pain into purpose, even in their absence. And so to tell Gladys' story, and Gladys actually died at 52 years old, Morgan, And at the time, they first classified her death as pneumonia. But speaking of relevant times, the world was right in the middle of the global flu pandemic. So they're not sure if it was pneumonia or if it was a part of the flu. But she died only at 52 years old. And I was thinking when I was learning about her story, I was like, but no, it's still not a tragedy because today thousands of people have called in to walk and talk with us and to resurrect her name and to write it into the cosmos in this way. Let's hope millions more are going to download this episode and listen to it. And we can embody Gladys in many ways and give her new life, which means that in our laughter and our joking and our learning from her, everything, there's no tragedy in her story, only triumph. I really believe that. I really believe that. One even just super practical lesson for us, Vanessa, is we know that stress kills. The stress of holding up perception or trying to fight back the world's violence against you and the narrative that you should be causes stress, and stress is deadly. And even as we go about fighting COVID-19 right now and strengthening our immune system, telling the truth is good for your health. It's good for your health. So I'm encouraging everybody out there, if you feel the pressure to perform, stop performing for other people and call it self-care. Call it self-care because you cannot continue to go on with this level of stress and anxiety in your life. You cannot continue to go to show up and perform trying to be perfect for people who don't even have your best interest in mind when you're already perfect. So just be that. Be perfect, y'all, because that's how your body is going to start to kick in and fight in the natural ways that our bodies are designed to fight these viruses. What people don't talk about enough is that we're dying because we're not equipped to fight back. Our immune systems are so taxed. They're so taxed. If you was looking for a sign to do what you want to do, to be who you want to be, this is your sign. This is it. This This is your sign. Yes. On a Friday. And if you don't mind the expletives, I recommend everyone get into the playlist for Gladys Bentley. Turn it on. Find your most best club outfit. Drop it like it's hot outfit. Look at yourself in the mirror. Record some Instagram videos. 
send them to your ex-boyfriend if you need to, or your ex-girlfriend. Tag us at Girl Check. When you being brave on the internet this weekend, tag us and hashtag Gladys Bentley. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. That is amazing. It is. That is amazing. So we're going to go out on a high note with some back to the street. This sweetie, by the way. I used to call her Sawati, the rapper from Oakland. I saw Tracy Ellis Ross on this video, and she was like, even I didn't know it was Sweetie. It is Sweetie, but I do love this song. Back to the streets. I ain't singing it, but you know, to nobody in particular, but we just out here, ladies. Somebody needs this. Have a great Friday, and we will see you here back on Monday. Monday. Live. It's going to be so good. Yes. Bye, y'all. In my hood, best dress Next thing, upgrade, who's next? Rich boy, got him on deck Good boy, tell that nigga fresh I put my new man on a leash Traded in my old nigga, he was just a lease I ride around town till I leave I gave that boy around, spin him back to the street Like la da di da di da Yeah, I spin him back to the streets Like la da di da di da Back to the streets so clean when I pull up to the scene Big goals and I put that on me What you thinking? What's good? Fuck how you feeling? I wish a nigga would Had to hit the husband on your homies Stepping in your bad bitches only My ex used to act like he owned me Ain't enough just to treat me like